0: Hey there, good morning, it's Precious Pioneer, and it's time to get up, time to shake and to shimmy, to kick off your week with positive food happenings with your favorite beverage. Thanks for tuning in, you're listening to Monday Brews with Precious. Good morning, it's Precious Pioneer, and I hope that you all had a great holiday weekend. Um, it was the Fourth of July, so hopefully you had the opportunity to spend some time with family and some loved ones. Maybe barbecued or shared a really nice meal. Also, maybe uh, learned a few things of American history and learned some anti-racism activation, I suppose. But it's been an interesting time for our country as this pandemic continues on. We've seen some restaurants have opened up this week, which is a little bit scary concerning that a lot of the numbers have also increased. And I don't know if you guys seen that uh, viral video or that picture that went around with people who started to go to restaurants. The waiters were dressed in these very intricate quarantine outfits. Um, I couldn't help but think of that that scene in Monsters, Inc. when that sock got in the f- the factory or in- at the place of work or whatever, and, like, all, the, all the, like, uh, the people were, like, ambushed with these suits, these yellow suits on, and so I couldn't help but think of that. It's a little bit funny, but, you know, considering that this is real life, I guess it's not as funny, and it kind of um, made a lot of people think, and they had a lot of criticism to say that, you know, if your waiters are looking like this, then maybe it's not... Maybe it's a little too early to start going out. And so it's very interesting to see the narrative from one side, but then also from a different side. Um, because I, today I wanted to talk about how there's been uh, a widespread food crisis going on for larger cities such as New York, but then also in internationally, like in places like Cuba, which I guess isn't too far away from us, but you see this in other places as there's uh, larger disparities in people who who worry about when their next meal is coming from. There have been uh large amount of dramatic reports that we're seeing with households going hungry and children who've lost weight since the pandemic began. And surveys taken by the City University School of Public Health has said that though that public and private food uh, assistance programs have increased, there's still a staggering number of New Yorkers and other people and families who are still worried about not having enough food to get through this quarantine period. We're reaching like four months now. And so the report actually shows that 44% of New Yorkers struggle with food, a rate that's three times higher than it was in 2019. 30% of households reported that they're running out of food before they have money to buy more, which is actually just really, really interesting. I think that with the pandemic, it's kind of overturned some serious flaws in our current systems that we have in place. I'd like to say it's like America's underbelly, if, if that's the right the right word. I'm thinking of like those boats that have all the crust on the bottom when you flip it over. Uh, I forget what they're called, but you you know what I mean. You have to like scrape it off. Um, that's what I'm thinking of actually. But I just wanted to touch on as we as we know uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement that sparked serious change for justice for defunding of the police and their large budgets, also to fix uh, systematic oppression of Black people in America. And I think that these food statistics that are coming out, they didn't really come out of nowhere. Uh, We know that people mostly affected by the pandemic are black and brown people. Um, And I think that's the same reason why... There's a select group of Texans who marched for Bar Lives Matter this week. You know, you can see that intense disparity of people who are fighting to eat at restaurants, even though the pandemic is still impacting a lot of people and thousands of people are still dying. You know, there's the super um, one side who's just like, hey, no, I need to go to a bar, you know, and then there's other people who are worried about their next meal, you know, and to ignore that gap is is important to 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 see that disparity, you know, and with generations of food deserts in these uh, black communities with no access to food, but limited to corner stores and fast food restaurants, it's now highlighted as these pressures intensify. So you can't help but recognize the deep correlation between the quote underlying health conditions such as diabetes and obesity in relation to the pandemic and food access to food and proper health care. And so there's a reason why you see larger numbers in these specific areas. And I think that privilege is something difficult to see when you have experienced it, when you've lived it. It's when you kind of step out, step down and you see these disparities and you just look at the, st- the statistics and look at the people who are affected. And if you're going out to restaurants and you're fighting for quote, bar lives matter, then I think when you kind of see, take a step back and you look at what's going on and you question your own reality, is where true change and action will come. The systematic racism of these food deserts are now highlighted as pressures intensify, as I mentioned before. But one thing that I want to mention is uh, there's always like Hope you know, we could either choose to change and be better, or we can remain complacent and remain the same, which simply just isn't good enough. But something inspiring in Cuba is that they were also facing the same sort of food depletion issues due to the lack of imports and its previous dependency. But in 2020, we're actually changing our food systems, which I'm incredibly for. Like, I'm a huge advocate for proper access of food for everyone. I think that should be a right, a standard. It's a resource, you know, and the fact that it's not because we're not producing enough or producing more than enough food for everybody. It's just not with politics and our systems that we have in place. People don't have access to it, which, which just isn't, to be frank, it's not good enough. You know, we should be more efficient in how we're getting our food to people. But that's another tangent for another day. Um, but uh, with what is doing is they realized and recognize this problem and they're starting to use their land, the land that they currently have to grow their own food. And I absolutely love that, you know. Um, so you have people in their communities growing their own home gardens and you're starting to see initiatives in America advocating for things like that. One of my favorite chefs, Dan Barber, called all chefs, people, foodies, farmers alike to get together for change. And with that, it's redefining and changing what it means and the role that America's big agriculture plays. You know, we've had a really big issue with uh, big agriculture kind of controlling what goes into our food. It's like even when we buy really good produce, it's not good anymore because of the amount of pesticides and all these things that are being put in it. So it's almost it almost defeats the purpose. And so there, there became another tier of a system of organic food. So you can get food that's not poisoned or sprayed and that says mild. Considering people who didn't have access to produce originally now have to pay more money to get quality food that you know, doesn't affect their bodies. And so it's very interesting. And so we have initiatives like that where he called everyone to dig, to plant seeds, to grow a vegetable garden in your own home, in front of your mailbox, in your lawn, in your backyard, in any sort of space that you have to grow food and bring food back to communities. Um, We see initiatives like the Ron Finley project. Um, Ron Finley aka, you know, the gangster gardener. I love that guy. He's so awesome. And he started that for those food deserts in California. He uses, he teaches people to use the space that they have to limit your dependency. So he teaches people how to grow your own vegetables, how to grow produce, how to utilize those tiny spaces that you have, even if that's like an abandoned cabinet that you have or a little pot that you have. You can grow your own herbs that are typically usually expensive, but then if you don't have a lot of space your neighbor can grow something else that you may need and then you can have a community exchange a community garden where you can all thrive and share the produce that you that you have And so it's absolutely beautiful that we're starting to see a lot of these initiatives grow and change. And honestly, I am so here for it. Looking at another story and segment going on, you have business owners and community leaders who are recognizing their role in their community by going above and beyond for the people who fill it. And anyone who knows me knows that I love, 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 ice cream. It's like borderline obsession, but I think it just sparks this immense joy for me. And I and I know I'm not the only one. I think some people would definitely rave over a really great ice cream cone, but I love ice cream so much I actually was going to have a history segment for the show just so like a 30-minute episode just about ice cream, but I'll spare you guys the details. But for the show, I actually called up one of the best ice cream parlors in New York City. And I I wanted to see what the what the hype was all about and I wanted to see how they started and got founded and all of the, all of the details. But little did I know what I stumble upon such a beautiful story. Let's tune into the call. Um, my name is Precious. Am I speaking with Bruce? Hey Precious,
1: it's oh. Bruce.
0: I just called you. Yep. Hi. how How are you doing today? Cool. Good. Everything's good. Good. Um, I am a show, a host of a show called Precious the Foodie, and I'm doing a segment on ice cream. And I stumbled across um, your interesting shop, and I wonder, I was wondering if I could have the opportunity to interview you about your shop and how you got started. I was wondering on how uh, Maximina's got started. How was it founded? So, Max Minow was named
1: after uh, my grandfather Max. He was an organic chemist, and he made ice cream as a hobby. He worked with paint and toothpaste, and when he passed in the nineteen in nineteen eighty five. Um, and then subsequently his wife passed away the following year. Mina, I helped clean out their house and I found his recipe book and the rest is history. We opened up in the, in the nineties and this is our officially fourth decade in business. We have, I think you said 5,000, you made a note, but we have well over 10,000 flavors. Uh, These days with, um, we're a wholesaler and we have a retail shop. The wholesale has been pretty, um, shut down your customers are taking so it really allowed us to like blossom with their retail shop we're, we're putting in new flavors a week you know we're making probably like maybe like 60 new flavors
0: a week wow that's really that's really incredible um you said that your grandfather was a chemist um how did he get into the ice cream business how, uh how did he formulate so he was that organic recipe chemist. He okay was an organic
1: chemist so he worked with paint and toothpaste okay he did not he made ice cream as a hobby, mm-hmm. nothing commercial. He would make up stuff, and then he would say, "Hey, when we were younger, try this," and he would give us some batches. And he was a big ice cream um, connoisseur, as my mom was too. Okay. So that's how it's. So that's how it started. We um, we we started it in the nineties, and you know, we haven't looked back. We just keep making new flavors, putting out new combinations. You know, this week we just we had a strawberry crispy cream, We had a Captain Crunch Krispy Kreme. We um, we had a Captain Crunch carrot cake. You know, it's just, it, the flavors, the second we put it out, it just it just blows. And it's, it's really, you know, more and more people. You know, we just added, we haven't had, we haven't added a container in, like, years. We added a, a quart container. I mean, as crazy as it may sound, we would sell a lot of pints, but we were moving a crazy amount of pints, and especially in this day and age, you know, we sell two-and-a-half-gallon tub, too. In this day and age, a quart is someone... Gives them more of an opportunity to buy things So they don't have to make as many trips
0: Right, exactly um, I was wondering, so you said over 10,000 flavors How, where does the idea Come from?
1: So, you know, it starts It's, it's listening to people You know, I, I was in um, Where was I? I was out in the Hamptons And I was, I bought some Tate's chocolate chip cookies So I'm going to make a Tapes. I've never made it before It's a very thin chocolate chip cookie It's delicious you know, so that's going to be a new flavor. What, what do I put it in? I, you know, I don't know. You know, um, the apricots were amazing that I picked up. I picked up some fresh apricots. Mm-hmm. So I've made apricot before, but we're going to make another version of it. What exact flavor? You know, when, it, when the time comes to make it, it'll 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 hit me. You know, I made a linzer tart, which we you know we make pretty often, and I made it with an apricot and. Uh, a raspberry jam and a strawberry. We never did those three combinations. You know, so it's just, you know, it just, it doesn't stop. You just keep exploring and and you listen to people and it look, you know, people, you know, the carrot cake, you know, we did it many years ago. We had a suggestion, I had a suggestion from a girlfriend, my girlfriend's daughter, and she loves carrot cake. And, Mm. you know, so we did our thing. And I gotta tell you, like, I've got banana carrot cake ready to go in like <laughs> it, it was a wildly successful um, run that we probably made just from carrot cake alone we probably made 15 flavors right you know so and it's, and it's amazing it's amazing to allow to bring it to people to, to bring it right to their taste buds you know we let people sample we want people to be happy here you know it's a unique shop by itself too the shop is like have you ever seen pictures of the shop?
0: Yes, it's covered in all kinds of different. Yeah. Um, so, like,
1: well, so I'm gonna do like a. I just finished. I'm I'm the curator of the of the store. So I'm I'm the designer, and I and I I just my brother had these chips from his casino. So I'm gonna in the coming days I'm gonna do a video with him on. I just put up the chips on the wall. You know, like these cool different chips from Biloxi, uh, Mississippi.
0: And, I've I've lived and, there. <laughs>
1: oh yeah bingo so it's just so so he's got chips which is part of his travels I'm gonna have him discuss it and talk about it you know and it's like it's like a cultural it's like a historical like um event where you you know you just bring this open you bring this different perspective to people where they can get lost you know especially today you know today's like a crazy um it's crazy out there today right so so it's with the flavors and, and the decor of the store it's just it's a great place to get lost
0: right and would you say that's um your passion behind it um creating that kind of unique space for people to just enjoy ice cream and enjoy that moment of what you create
1: yeah you know we we, we love people you know and and when you're on the forefront you know i had a kid come in i was in the front of the scoop shop and the kid came in with a bag of coins Few dollars you know he's like asking about price and we're well, not cheap but we give you know i mean you know the products that we use are t- you know we had macadamia as a flavor in uh, um yesterday up until yesterday white, mm-hmm. white macadamia white chip mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you know what macadamia costs per pound they're I mean, expensive you know, bloody, they're a fortune you know so we use macadamia we have cashew nuts we have walnuts we have almonds we have all different kinds of you know we, we use we we use the best so the kids coming in and he wants a certain amount to buy and and he runs short you know and, and he's clearly short so i say how much do you have i see he's struggling and his mother sent him and a lot of people are unemployed you know and and i said how much you got he goes seven maybe eight our, our double scoop is nine eighty with tax i say don't worry and then they, she, she says it's his birthday so don't worry about it i said I said, "It's." I said, "Happy birthday!" I said, "I said you're good." I said, "Not only that, but I'm. But I've just upgraded you now to the pint. So I brought him to the next level, you know. And it's this amazing opportunity to not just, yeah, I'm in the business of selling ice cream, but like to have that moment for a kid on his birthday to you know, this was his place that he thought he didn't have anything and he walks out like a superstar, you know, yeah. to me, like it's the ultimate level because mm-hmm. I, I satisfied him with his flavors that he got. And now internally, you know, his, his insights, you know, it's his birthday. He was treated like he was a king and I, and that's what I did. And, and that's what we do here. We, we, you know, we, we try to interact with all the different people that come and we have people that come from everywhere. And it's, it's really it's a wonderful it's a wonderful gift that I'm able to to be here and it's a wonderful gift that I'm able to interact with all the
0: different people. No, I completely agree with you. I feel like I'm a huge ice cream lover. And so I feel like sometimes it's not necessarily the product that you're selling, but the emotional connection to that. You know, you give away a little bit of joy out of a, someone who's having a rough day. You give a little bit of happiness and, you know, all these different spots in people's life. They can come to your shop and just enjoy a really good treat, you know?
1: Exactly. No, a really great treat. And it's so important for us, you know, our philosophy is we, we don't even care if somebody comes in here and they want to try and they and they're ready to leave, you know, after five tastes. We don't care because ultimately our goal is for you to be happy, and we know, you know, when you're happy, then we're happy, and the the energy of the place is happy, and it passes and it connects, and you know, we've been on this upward, you know, movement where we just keep more and more people you know, keep coming in,
0: which is fantastic. No, I love that. Um, just a general question. Um, I know uh, I'm a part of like the food industry. And so I know that um, a lot of dairy farmers and things like that are struggling and a lot of because people are transitioning away from dairy or they're lactose intolerant. And I was wondering if your ice cream shop had to adjust or make any sort of exceptions like almond-based ice cream or something and what that w- what that looked like.
1: Yeah, so, so my sales have gone up. My shop sales have gone up every year. So we've made some soy. We've made some non-dairy vegan. Um, but no, no. it's You know, people call up. You know, there, there is, there, I'm not going to say there, there aren't a number of people. You know, I happen to make a non-dairy coffee that I made for somebody. And I had some left over, so I pinted it up. And if I tell you I can't, even, well, I can give it away to a few people, but it's not like when you offer it, people want more of a, you know, they want a selection. So Mm -hmm. economically, you know, in life, you have to put your best foot forward. You got to see what's the best way to move. I don't even sell sprinkles in my store. I (laughs) don't sell a single topping here. Everything is built in, you know, and that's the way it goes. And if you really want sprinkles, we say go get your sprinkle. you know, not, not in a, not to you should have what you want today today is your day this is where you are today there's no guarantee about tomorrow even later it's here it's now you know so enjoy yourself and get what you you should get what you want um with the vegan we found that when you offer something i just offered it to, i have a few pints left here to somebody you know they don't want that flavor so to, to have a present you probably would sell some but mm-hmm. it's not even close to the american ice cream you can't american dairy is like it's gigantic Right. You, know, you, you can't even compare it. It's like, you know, the numbers, it's it, really the vegan has grown, and especially these new people, but I'm not so really sure that the numbers in the end, you know, with, with all this movement of these places opening up, mm-hmm. you know, wh- where, are you, where are you from? You're in um, what, what city?
0: Right now I'm in right outside Washington, D.C. in Virginia.
1: Oh, cool. So I, w- I went to the University of Maryland, so no. I know the area kind of well. How's it going there with the riots and everything?
0: It's been a little bit crazy, but I think it's necessary a little bit so I've just honestly have secluded myself a little bit and kind of just been taking it all in day by day you know
1: Yeah I had someone come in from the city they, they were leaving they couldn't take it their children they were the helicopters were up all the windows were smashed on the stores in the whole area and I'm soho. there's no place to shop Terrible just terrible it's heartbreaking. Really? You know, we thought they might be coming through here. You know, I mean, look, tragedy—what happened to this guy? But people's, business, you know, on top of COVID, COVID. You know, I see everybody. I see a mixture of everybody. You know, I—I I have people who are unemployed. I, I have people who used to buy, you know, a hundred dollars worth of ice cream a week are down to buying. I'm mean, going to give them extra. They buy a single scoop you know right. because they're, they're they're unemployed you know they want they still want ice cream so I, I take care of them you know I, I take some of their money but I, I, I give them way more than I'm taking um, but my heart breaks for this you know this is they're like this is the, this is like the last luxury as they would say to me that's left but you know so anyway back back to you have to learn in business to what makes most sense and it's not about here it's not you know when you run a race, it's not about when you hit the gun and the gun shoots and you are, you're off. It's about, you know, where are you positioned in the middle of the race and, and the beginning of the race, the middle of the race, the end of the race. You know, all those things you have to take into consideration. So you have to see where do you sell, how much do you sell. You know, it was like with sugar-free. People would ask for sugar-free. It's a, such a small category. When people want to indulge, you know, they want to indulge. And, that, and that's what we found.
0: No, I, li- I like that. Thank you so much for talking with me today i feel like i got some really good insight um awesome uh what is uh bruce what is your last name decker decker got it bruce becker thank you so much um your shop sounds beautiful The call ended around there, but Bruce Becker at Max and Mina's sets this incredible example of being a small business in a hurt community and selling more than just a product, providing joy to make people feel like superstars amidst an ongoing crisis. He mentioned how small actions of kindness really change how people walk out of his shop. And with that, as I wrap up the show, I encourage you to take that with you. Even though we're all in similar boats, understanding and recognizing the disparities and using your privilege, grace, heart to help those who need it can make all of the difference. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Monday Brews with Precious. If you like this new segment, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. That'll really help to support me and the creation of this show. If you want to follow the show for current updates and really beautiful photos, you can find you can find me on my personal Instagram at Precious Pioneer or at Precious the Foodie on Instagram. Also Precious Pioneer on YouTube if you prefer to watch uh, videos related to the podcast show. For more information on allyship or initiatives mentioned in this show, Um, all of it will be listed in the show notes. But thank you so much again for all of your continuous support. I just really, really appreciate it. And I hope that you all have a really great week. But as always, live life with love and love food with life. See you guys next time. Bye.